Hello, and welcome to the Reorient Podcast, the show about international issues and international people with an Asian twist. My name is Jesse Friedlander. Well, hello, everyone. Today is August 19th, 2021. Today, we have a special guest today who is joining us from Washington, D.C., but is Sri Lankan and normally based in Colombo, Sri Lanka. That is Dr. Kumudu Gunasikara. Okay. So, Kumudu, welcome to the Reorient podcast. Thanks, Jesse. Pleasure to be here and, and appreciate taking the call at a late night for you. <laughs> uh, you know, no very, very different time zones. No problem at all. I'm used to that. Um, and uh, it has the advantage that sometimes a little bit quieter where I am. So uh, anyway, it's uh, your morning, my evening. Uh, it's uh, our first time chatting and meeting, and I look forward to a great conversation. So uh, Kumudu, if you wouldn't mind, it's always nice to um, just for for myself and the audience just to know a little bit about your background. Maybe you could tell us about your childhood, where you, where you grew up and where you were educated. Sure. Happy to do that, uh, Jesse. So I was uh, born in Sri Lanka, uh, in Colombo, lived, went to high school, uh, lived through a pretty interesting time period in Sri Lanka's history, uh, where there was the start of uh, an ethnic conflict, um, a, a war, which, can, which ended up being a, a tensions between two communities, uh, and then it, it it was hijacked by a certain group, and it became a more terrorist conflict as as it evolved. It was a, you know during school years. I remember uh, having you know scared to go to school because bombs could go out. Bombs did go out. There were about two, actually three bombs that happened uh, in 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 close vicinity to uh, where where I was. One when I was in school, uh, and for those of us, uh, those of you who haven't experienced a bomb, it's a very interesting experience because you you, uh, you know, suddenly time stops uh, and and you see vib- you kind of see vibrations in slow motion. So it's it's a very uh, interesting experience. Then came to the U.S. Uh, for my undergraduate studies. You know, continued on, uh, worked in the U.S., lived and worked in the U.S. for about twenty years. Uh, and then returned back. What most people ask me is, "Hey, why did you leave uh, the U.S. and come 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 back to Asia?" And uh, you know, my answer to that is, uh, you, you know, when you go to a bar in the U.S., you have a very two uh, percent growth mentality, uh, whereas you go to anywhere in Asia, and not just Sri Lanka, you go to any place in Asia. You talk to people; they have this twenty percent growth mentality. It it just comes out when you you know get on a rickshaw or trishaw and uh, talk to a trishaw driver or or, or 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 talk to a banker. You have that aspiration. People are doing multiple jobs. People are kind of doing. Everybody's an entrepreneur, so it's kind of a very exciting time to be in Asia. So moved mm. back to Asia about eight years ago. Okay, so before we um, jump to sort of your current work, could you just tell us a little bit more about 
sort of what um, fields, well, first of all, your education, what, mm-hmm. what was your specialty or focus? And then in terms of your work uh, in the United States, what, what was the, the types of work and industry uh, that you were, you were engaged in? Sure, yeah. So I was, uh, my bachelor's was in economics, master's in international relations and environmental policy, uh, and then did a PhD in transportation economics. So it was all more economics-based, but in in between had some international and environmental sprinkled in is what I'd like to kind of consider myself. Uh, At heart, I'm a generalist. You know, I I love to solve problems, and that's why I got into management consulting. Every day is a new problem, uh, or every day is a thousand new problems because there are 10 different clients having uh, very different problems that that you're looking to solve. So uh, in that sense, I'm a generalist. I worked at Parsons Brinkerhoff, uh, a large engineering firm, and I was the principal economist for the strategic consulting uh, arm of Parsons Brinkerhoff based out of Washington, D.C. Very interesting uh, kind of company because they were involved in, Parsons Brinkerhoff was involved in one of the large, some of the largest construction projects globally, uh, you know, from, from the Panama Canal expansion where I was uh, the project manager for for the team deployed from our, our company to privatization of some of the toll roads, working with pretty much every department of transportation in the U.S., uh, working working on uh, various transit and transportation-related problems. Uh, so that gave me a very good broad exposure of, of really understanding how mega projects work. Very fascinating, and we could certainly talk a lot about that. And in the United States, my sense is, uh, having traveled around the world, that in public transportation uh, seems to be lagging, and and uh, that's a, a big topic. But in in many parts of Asia, there's um, very good uh, public transportation networks, as there are in Europe and in many other parts of the world, indeed. So you made the decision to return to Sri Lanka about eight years ago, um, and you mentioned, you know, because the 20% growth uh, mentality. So what, what kind of uh, work uh, did you do, and, and what was your mission in returning to Sri Lanka? Yeah, so to, uh, I returned to Sri Lanka, I joined a, a management consulting firm uh, called Stax. Uh, it's a U.S.-based firm with with uh, with, and I will, I uh, joined Stax's Asia offices. So I'm running the Asia offices. We have about hundred plus consultants in Asia, and what we predominantly do for Stax at Stax is we work with private equity funds. We work with private equity funds to help them really understand their investments. Uh, when they go into acquiring a company, we do the we specialize in doing commercial diligence, so looking at markets, products, customers, uh, and really understanding the informing the valuation, uh, the bid that our clients would give to a asset that they are pursuing. So that that's in addition to that, we also have you know about 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 fifteen percent of about twenty percent of our business is from. Uh, working with the portfolio companies of of these uh, private equity as well, uh, helping these portfolio companies really understand uh, and improve their productivity through the use of technology, data, uh, and and other uh, elements that that help help these companies grow. That's that's kind of and this, you know, it's fascinating for me because I'm coming from 
very specialized. You know, the more you educate yourself, I guess you get more and more specialized. So you get very, uh, you know, highly specialized. And then you get into, you know, management consulting where every day you're working on 10 different uh, industries, 10 different areas, 10 different problems. That's that's really interesting and exciting. So um, for um, most of our listeners will not be very familiar with Sri Lanka. So, you know, obviously um, Sri Lanka is um, a, a country that's in the Indian Ocean. Uh, it's a former British colony, obviously struggled with, um, you know, civil war and some communitarian conflicts. Uh, it also, from what I understand, has a very high level of human development, um, you know, human capital, and uh, it's endowed with a lot of natural resources uh, in addition to human talent. Um, so clearly, um, you know, there's a lot of potential there. But just sort of starting at the macro level, how would you describe, you know, and, and thinking from the perspective of a, of a business owner or an investor, what's the sort of the current political structure um, in uh, in Sri Lanka, what's the economic structure, and and, and how that how that impacts uh, business today? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a democracy, so it's a elected government. Uh, we have a presidential system uh, in in place, as well as a parliamentary system. So there's a parliament plus, but the head of state is the pre- is the executive president, uh, which is elected every every five years. I, I think Jesse, you you correctly said it. You know, to understand Sri Lanka, it's a it's an island nation. You know, it's off the coast of India, and you know we it's a small nation, so we had you know a lot of invasions or a lot of colonizations over the years. The Portuguese, the Dutch, the British were the the the, the final colonizers. Thereafter, in 1948, we got. Uh, independence and and uh, you know with independence most former colonies of you know colonies have faced growing pains uh, and part of the baggage that was left behind was uh, the tensions between different communities because of you know the, the whole divide and rule policy that was uh, that was in place uh, certain uh, races and certain groups were were favored or others which resulted in when 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 post independent world these groups started uh, discriminating against the other groups so it was it's a kind of a eternal uh, issue that most uh, developing country or most post uh, independent uh, countries faced uh, we went through that uh, we had a civil war which was the insurrection uh, between uh, it based on more economic uh, issues, uh, and that was between low income groups versus the higher income groups, rather than any ethnic uh, uh, ethnic uh, issues. So that was more the JVP uh, insurrections in the seventies, sixties, and the seventies, uh, and went on to the eighties and uh, and and, and uh, ended in the early nineties. Along that, there was also the uh, ethnic. Uh, related uh, conflict between the the, the Tamils and, and and the Sinhalese, which started uh, as a, as ethnic conflict, with which was transformed into becoming a terrorist uh, conflict, where uh, one group 
the LTT kind of uh, took over the struggle uh, or the, the the fight, and then it it became uh, you know they were they were, the agenda was kind of uh, you know taken over, and, and and the whole conflict changed into a completely different gear. Uh, but in two thousands, uh, this also ended. This war was ended with the with the you know through the conflict ended uh, and then you know sri lanka was really poised for unprecedented growth i would say and and we did see for a few years significant growth uh, uh, every a lot of investors started looking at sri lanka coming into sri lanka um, you know i i got tons of calls from private equity investors saying hey what's happening what can we do uh, how can we invest into sri lanka and then you know uh, for some reason or the other we we still sri lanka is still kind of struggling to to kind of break out uh, and you know the recent events uh, there was a you know easter day attacks uh, in in 2019 which really stifled growth for sri lanka and then combined with the covid pandemic uh, so the country is suffering right now and the whole globe is suffering uh, so that has really uh, put a put a kind of a spanner in the works for 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 us but i'm sri lankans are a very resilient pe- uh, group of people because they have gone through such a lot for uh, sure. and and that's that's you know i'm sure we'll come through it but it's a very tough time for for a lot of folk right now so thinking, um, sort of focused on the economy for a moment or, or on the development of the economy, uh, my, I, I believe, um, you know, post, uh, particularly post the ending of the Civil War, that the emphasis was on tourism. Um, and, and that's viewed as a, a sector with a lot of growth potential. And indeed, I think tourism did uh, really take off in Sri Lanka. Uh, now, global International tourism is 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 basically um, non-existent, you know, for the last um, uh, really year and a half, and we don't know when it's coming back. So I'm wondering if you think that um, Sri Lanka will need to rethink, uh, reconsider uh, its strategy towards um, relying on tourism to create uh, jobs and economic growth. Yeah, I mean, I, I think tourism is going to come back. Um, so. It's not that we are, we need to move away from the tourist centric strategy, uh, but it's it's never been purely a tourist centric strategy. So Sri Lanka has, you know, interestingly, our other growth sectors have been growing in, during COVID. So we just give you, give you a little bit of background. We have tourism brings in about seven billion uh, dollars in 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 uh, in, for, in FX. Um, the other big sectors are we have uh, the apparel sector, the textile apparel sector, which brings in about five billion. Uh, we have the the plantations, tea, co- coconut rubber, bringing about three four billion. Um, we have the the other growing area, and and this is something that is underreported and undercaptured in Sri Lanka is the knowledge services. Uh, industry, which includes, and I say knowledge of them broadly marketing, uh, technology, uh, KPO, BPO uh, type operations. And these, you know, are projected to become about a 5 billion industry as well. 
Uh, unfortunately, we don't have, this is a kind of a new economic uh, phenomenon, so it's not captured in our numbers, but the government has given very good incentives to grow this industry uh, and large corporates. I mean, Sri Lanka is now getting a recognition as becoming a, uh, a innovation hub for large corporates globally. Uh, we have, you know, companies like Cisco, which is a food delivery company, uh, which is one of the largest food delivery companies, putting up their uh, innovation center uh, in, in Sri Lanka. Um, we have uh, the London Stock Exchange put in their innovation center in Sri Lanka. So we have these large uh, global corporates looking at Sri Lanka as, a, as an innovation hub. Um, so this industry, uh, to answer your question, you know, while tourism has dipped and is, is completely gone to a standstill, this this industry, especially the technology industry, has has you know been growing over the last and and COVID has helped, right? Because COVID really helps the remote operation, remote work operations to succeed. So now it doesn't matter if you're sitting in Boston, Chicago, New York. Or Colombo, if you're providing value remotely, you can really prosper. So that that has really accelerated the growth of of, of this industry. So, um, as an economist, I'm sure you 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 know you spend or have spent and spend a lot of time thinking about um, comparative advantage. You know, we think about uh, national economies and and the idea that uh, you know specialization based on uh, comparative advantage. And we know, you know, we know, many of us know that Sri Lanka has an advantage, you know, as you mentioned, plantations, right, in, in, in many of these uh, natural products, uh, you know, tea and, and rubber, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. and it has a, a comparative advantage in terms of a very beautiful um, ecology and climate. Um, but do you see, when you're thinking about knowledge-based technology-focused industries, how would you describe Sri Lanka's uh, advantage or competitive edge, you know, when you're going up against the likes of India, um, you know, uh, Philippines, Vietnam, in the Asian uh, region that also are, are quite uh, advanced in terms of um, business process outsourcing and, and IT outsourcing? Yeah, no, this is a very good question. And that's something that a lot of people have asked me, uh, you know, what's our competitive advantage? Uh, Sri Lanka can never compete with India on on you know putting a you know fifty thousand shop of business process outsourcing. That's that's not our game. What is interesting, and I I don't know why this is, but Sri Lankans by uh, and maybe it's the island mentality is very different to you know some of the country people that you find in the, the other countries that you mentioned when it comes to innovation. When you think of innovative products, when you think of, you know, thinking outside the box, uh, which is, you know, in some cases a, a difficult thing for Sri Lankans as well, because our guys are always thinking outside and not conforming to, you know, a certain structure. So this allows for innovation, and and that's where companies have found Sri Lanka to be useful. The people that you find, the the, the technical skills you find, you find very high technical skills in Sri Lanka. So these technical guys can think outside the box, can innovate. Whereas if you go to India or, or some of these other countries, I mean, there, there are people who can innovate, but by and large, you tell them X, Y, Z, and they'll follow X, Y, Z. 
in those countries where Sri Lankans are more in, in, innovative. That innovative culture. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this portion of the podcast. To access the entire podcast and more high-quality analysis on Asia, please visit our website, reorientpodcast.com. That's one word, all lower caps, reorientpodcast.com.